the grower, Canada's go-to horticulture news source for the latest industry information from policy to weather, innovation and pests. We're picking up the phone and calling farmers to discuss it all. This is Amanda Broadhagen and I'm your host. Today we're calling up Dave Van Sangbrook and getting a behind-the-scenes perspective based on our December cover story called Brussels Sprouts, a Vegetable Crop Competing in a Global Marketplace, which can be found online at thegrower.org under the Print Issue tab on our website. Hello, this is Farmer Dave from Kent County. Hey Dave, Amanda here from The Grower Calling. Thank you for joining us. Actually, the biggest growers of Brussels sprouts in Canada, uh, which is pretty amazing. Why Brussels sprouts since they are such a finicky crop to grow? My partner, Jean-Marie Laprise, he started in the early 90s growing Brussels sprouts. And I had an opportunity to partner with him in 2000. And the reason we enjoy the Brussels sprouts is the challenge of it all. It's very expensive to be in it, and it's a very difficult crop to grow, and those challenges entice us to uh, improve ourselves, I guess. And that's, that's the beginning reason on why we're in it. And from there, it's just grown. We've focused on being uh, very high quality and consistent, and because of that, the acreage has steadily been growing. And uh, unfortunately, the, they closed a freezer factory in Abbotsford, B.C. a number of years ago, so some of that production also came here. So we're very fortunate that that production at least stayed in Canada. Talking about itself, what are some of the characteristics of the crop that pose challenges to grow it? It's a very long season crop to grow, unlike uh, the other vegetables. So you're going to plant that crop in April and May, and you won't be done harvesting it until mid-November. Well, the only crop other that comes to mind would be some, some of the rutabagas and the carrots. So it's a very long season. Uh, there's a lot of management that goes into growing it for that length of time. So have you ever like lost a crop because uh, weather conditions or pests or disease? We've lost fields uh, a few times. One time we received uh, spray uh, at the farm that had gone bad and unbeknownst to ourselves, uh, we applied that spray and it didn't work and that was the end. The insects took over that field and we also lost uh, part of our crop in 2015 due to cold. Brussels sprouts can only handle about minus six Celsius. After that, you can start to permanently kill the crop and it'll become unusable. I understand it that only one out of every five sprouts goes to the fresh market. Where do the remainders go? The the bulk of our crop goes to the freezer factory. Bondwell buys them and freezes them here locally in Tecumseh and by times in Strathroy. Is it safe to say that if you eat a a frozen Brussels sprout in Canada that probably came from your farm? Absolutely. Uh, with the closing in Abbotsford, if it's product of Canada, and please look at the bag, uh, if it says product of Canada, it'll be our Brussels sprouts that went there. Uh, if it's product of somewhere else, well, 
I can't comment on what's in the bag. Access to labor and labor costs is a big issue in horticulture, but but I also know that access to crop protection products are also high on the list of concerns. With the potential of some products being discontinued, what, what are your options? And I know that you recently got back from a trip from Europe, so maybe if you want to uh, share your perspectives and insights on that. The, I visited some farmers in the Netherlands who grow Brussels sprouts, and I had the fear put in me because they had some pesticides uh, deregistered, and the adjoining country still uses all those pesticides, and they're having inferior quality and yield reduction from that removal of those pesticides. And some of those are the very same pesticides they're trying to remove from us here. So it's, it's a real concern. I'm hoping they see the light here. The concerns that they're having can be addressed in much easier and simpler ways than the knee-jerk taken away from you uh, that they're proposing. The people in Europe aren't too sure how they're going to work their way out of it because I asked them how they were making out, making the adjustments, and they said they've not found the, the way back to the high quality that they used to have. And that is now a, um, an advantage for us to have that high-quality uh, product in our marketplace, Europe is the low-cost producer of frozen Brussels sprouts, so that is our number one competitor. Presently, we're continuing to approach and try to educate the PMRA, and hopefully they, they come to understand the consequences of their decisions also when it impacts the revenue and the employment, because if we get back out of Brussels sprouts, that's going to reduce over 100 jobs here in our local area in season that we employ as well as probably four or five full-time jobs that that crop causes employment for. The, the one that, there's two that really concern us. They all concern us because the crop takes so long to grow. They want to cut back on insecticides available. Most of the insecticides have a two or three app per season on them. If you start to add up the amount of weeks that the crop is in the field and by what's going to be left over, we're going to have insect pressures that we're not going to be able to control here. And, and that's a real concern down the road. Um, the Admire, the Imacloperdin, we inject it in the ground in August. So it never sees the atmosphere. So it causes no harm to any of the pollinators. But they're looking at just a total Admire ban instead of standing back and looking at it on a per cropper a one-off basis. It's maybe more convenient to them, but maybe really inconvenient to us. And the chlorothalonil Bravo removal is also going to be a real problem for us for fungicide use um, to try to keep our quality up. I just want to kind of conclude with this last question to wrap things up because you've given a really good overview of you know, the challenges with growing the crop, you know, some of the things that are happening um, in the EU and the concerns that uh, that it brings, you know, to you here, but also the opportunities as you see. Do you feel that there's a lot of government lip service to local food, but lots of hurdles to produce local food uh, profitably? And what's your mindset or strategy going into 2018? We're concerned we're going to, uh, I guess, ride it out, we hope. There's also um, 
the, the coming force is you know, basically, I guess, local's going to be product of Europe and product of USA if they keep removing all these products. Presently, we're hoping that we're going to increase our volume. Consumption's going up on Brussels sprouts, and we're getting signals right now uh, asking us if we want to increase our production. And we're struggling with the whole concept, waiting to see um, what we're going to be allowed to use going forward. If people keep removing all of our tools, um, it gets to be a pretty small toolbox when your machine doesn't work, and you can't fix it, you can't fix it. And it's a problem, and we have destroyed fields before where we had insect damage that brought the field unusable. And it's very unfortunate when they think about all the food that's gonna get thrown away only because of some insect damage. Is that food still uh, usable? Absolutely, but the consumer's not gonna buy it when it has insect damage on it, regardless of whether the worm is no longer there. The visual signs is going to reflect the quality and that's the way the industry is. So we're, we're hoping going forward that they'll see uh, some other opportunities and some other ways so that we can continue to grow this business. Um, we've grown it uh, almost threefold since when we started together, Jean and I. And we still see further growth coming because of that. And we're going to fill that niche until we can no longer produce it. Great. Well, Dave, that sort of concludes all of the questions that we have for you. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And uh, we hope you have a um, Merry Christmas. My pleasure. Have a, a safe day yourself. And hopefully the snow doesn't get too deep. That concludes our podcast segment. Please go back to Twitter and give us a retweet and don't be shy. Give us a rating on iTunes. It helps us grow our audience. A new podcast will be released every other Thursday.